You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 310 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Now, before I introduce what this episode will be about, you can always become a patron. Uh, or subscribe and uh, follow me over there on the YouTubes. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. All the links can be found in the program notes or on naturalbornalchemist.com. Now this episode was destined to be released early in 2017, more than five years ago. And now I've finally decided to release it. The reason this episode was never released was because I had a guest that annoyed me and I didn't want to promote his work. Or his shit. But since it's been five years now, I figure, why not? Why not release it? I mean, what could be the harm? This episode was recorded during the Syrian refugee crisis in Europe. And this was also the main issue regarding our falling out during the, the talk. Uh, but we also talk about many other issues as well. And... To be frank, I can't really remember what those things were. Ancient history, Atlantis, I seem to remember something like that. I, I Honestly, I can't remember. I haven't thought about this episode for five years, so give me a break. Um, but hopefully it will be good. You be the judge if this dude is full of it or not. Uh, maybe you won't even notice the falling out section who knows anyway enough rambling enjoy an old old episode never heard before and now finally released you are listening to natural born alchemist Welcome to the cancelled episode number 105 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. And this episode was never released. And if you want to know more, check out the released episode 105. Where I talk about this and I'll post a link in the description of this recording. So you can go there if you want to. Briefly, the reason was the guest Jade Widener, which is not an unknown person in the conspiracy uh, occult community, I guess you could call it, is like at least a sort of celebrity. Uh, the reason was that Jay turned out to be a racist cunt. And uh, he was also a bit of an asshole in general, in my opinion. He kept interrupting me when I was speaking. His phone rang during the talk and he did not show up when we scheduled an appointment and this happened more than once. In short, there was little respect. At least that is how it seemed to me. And I have, after all, talked to hundreds of people and such behavior has not been present in any of them, really. 
The irony is that the main topic of this episode was Atlantis and lost civilizations, and the episode turned out to be, on purpose by me, a lost episode. I'm not interested in having a platform for these fucks, uh, because when I'm doing this podcast in my spare time, I am doing it because I want to do it. Not I'm not working for somebody else. And uh, when I did this episode, it was before I had a Patreon page. And now when I do, I can release it for you people who are patrons. Because it's not really an open source or open medium. You know, it's like behind closed doors, I guess you could say. So uh, um, it's fine for me to release it here. The reason I felt Jay was a racist was the comments he started making about Islam and Muslims. And uh, you might think that I was too sensitive or became too triggered at, at his words, but please understand that I have lots of Muslim friends. I have traveled to Muslim countries many times, my daughter and wife have Turkish blood and Muslim blood and I, I love Sufism. So for me it was very personal. And ISIS is not Islam. And there are plenty of Muslim societies that are nice and there are plenty of Muslim societies that are not nice. As well as there are plenty of bad behavior in non-Muslim societies as well and good behavior. You know, it's all relative from area to area. Assholes exist in all religions and cultures. So, you know, don't get on the fear-mongering media train. The military-industrial complex wants wars. The bankers want oil and the people need an enemy. The funny thing is that Jay even says the media use fear to control us. Yet he still show fear in regards to Muslims, which I think is funny. So he's like not listening to his own ideas, in a sense. Uh, And finally, the statistics that Jay talks about when it comes to Muslims and rape and refugees and rape and and crime and all that. You know, what what Jay fails to understand is that the statistics he talks about comes from articles and videos that have been produced by pro-Nazi racist cooperatives that work together in most European countries in order to get in power. In some of these countries, these parties have gained a lot of power. So their technique or their their way of working works. And it is very dangerous. You know, Hitler had the Jews and now they have Muslims. And for someone that is interested in conspiracies and truth, like Jay is... He shows little skill, I think, in understanding the source of the material that he is trying to stand by. So basically, he's a moron. And when I call these people Nazis that create these statistics and this propaganda, it's not that I'm not some liberal who call who is calling Donald Trump a Nazi just because it's a powerful word. No, these groups are Nazis. They are Nazis. One of the groups, they have a different name today, but the group, when it was founded, like 40 years ago or 30 years ago, it was called the Nazi, etc., etc. They they use the word Nazi. They are Nazis. So it's, it's not, 
I'm not like throwing that word around. I'm not like some liberal just calling Trump a Nazi. Like you see a lot of that these days. These people I refer to as Nazis. They are Nazis. I could have ripped Jay apart when this little debate began, but I was trying to be a good host and I got caught by surprise. At the time, I had not decided not to release it. If I had known at the time that I would not release the episode, I could have buried him. I am a killer in debates. You guys might not know that because I don't want a podcast that is about debates, so I don't debate really that much. That's boring. Uh, so basically every argument Jay had could be ripped apart but I won't bore you with those details you can form your own opinion maybe you think I'm very sensitive or triggered by all this but um, I recorded this episode also at a time when where I am living there's been a real rise in Nazi powers and I'm not talking about alt-right like pseudo-Nazis I'm talking about real Nazis that go see heil see heil those kind of Nazis you know real ones so uh, you know uh, there's nothing that disgusts me more than racism it's one of my pet peeves you could say so uh, when he started talking about Muslims in this way, you know, even editing this episode to release it to you guys on Patreon actually got my blood boiling again. (laughs) I got really annoyed. So, you know, I recorded this like over a year ago, but I only recently edited it together because I didn't even want to listen to it because it it annoyed me so much. Oh, and there's one more thing I want to mention. Um, There's one moment where Jay says that some Muslim leader had said that women are good for, only good for rape. And I said that he's not a real Muslim. And then I went like, well, Hillary, uh, she says she's a Christian. And then he, Jay went, well, she's not a real Christian. And I don't know if he caught what I did there. Maybe you will. But basically I'm saying is that none of these people the leaders of countries, are real Muslims or real Christians or real anything. They're politician scum. And they'll say anything to remain in power or or get power. So you you can't base a... or you, you can't judge a religion on people who follow the religion especially if those people who follow it are politicians you know that that would be infantile to do that anyway enough rambling enjoy or as i did don't enjoy <laughs> oh you could enjoy it because like the first part of this episode has nothing to do with any of this and it's actually about what i wanted to talk about which was atlantis but uh, anyway here it, here it is the first and hopefully the last cancelled episode of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. So thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. So can you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, Well, I'm a very curious person and I 
study various uh, esoteric arts from alchemy to uh, qigong to many different things and um, I'm incredibly interested in um, uh, ancient civilizations and <clears throat> Atlantis. I had a radio show on in a, here in the United States about 25 years ago and that's how I got famous and uh, the radio show I interviewed a lot of the biggest people in uh, our, our biz I guess and uh, eventually uh, I wrote a couple books on alchemy and um, uh, now I'm producing programming for Gaia, Gaia.com, G-A-I-A.com. There has been many books on ancient civilizations and Atlantis, and the one that I really enjoy the most, I, I, you know, it, parts of it has been debunked, or I, I'm not sure, I haven't really investigated it, but it, it's the, the one by uh, Ignatius Donnelly. And I picked that up uh, for uh, like a dollar, one day in some shop, I didn't even know what it was. It just, it just said, uh, it just looked like a good book, and I was amazed that it was. It felt like it was written in our time, even though it's like, I guess, almost a hundred years old. Yeah, he was a congressman to the uh, Congress, of the United States. If only they had congressmen like that now. <laughs> what is your theory on on Atlantis? Where, if it existed, and where? Well, I do think it existed. Um... I think uh, that uh, I have a somewhat radical view in that I think it was um, somewhere in the Americas and probably in South America somewhere. And uh, that what my theory is, is that there was a different kind of culture and race on this earth. And this culture was a very advanced culture, but not in a technical way that we would think, although they were advanced technically, but they were used resonance frequencies and harmonics and sacred um, alignments and things to, uh, to express what they wanted to express. And this was a highly advanced civilization, and it lasted for hundreds of thousands of years, I believe. And it was wiped out about 13,000 years ago when, I don't know, a comet hit or something happened, solar flares or combination of both, and uh, uh, wiped out this civilization. And we've been struggling to find our way ever since. Could it be like a, a culture that had uh, like a person like Tesla as their god instead of Edison? Yeah, it would be more like that. It would be, but it was even more. Um, it's, it's, it's now that it's gone, we can only appreciate what they've left behind, and it's very difficult to back engineer what they actually were doing. But <clears throat> they have these harmonics, uh, you know, bizarre harmonics within the numbers, and uh, uh, these harmonics are, are all over the place. So you know. 432 is a number that keeps appearing in the geomancy of the earth. Um, 864, the sun is 864,000 miles in diameter, um, which is 2 times 432. And 432 is, of course, the perfect way to tune an, an instrument is using the 432 uh, tuning pattern. 
and um, we see that these that you know we can only see like the shadow of this civilization and so we really don't know what powered it except we know that it was very powerful and uh, so it's very frustrating for a researcher like me to uh, um, go back and back engineer this although I will say that we're getting closer to understanding these um, I don't know, spiritual technologies, you might say, and uh, alchemy and a lot of other things. So I'm hopeful that we will eventually back engineer the whole thing and uh, finally figure out wh what they were doing. My feeling is, uh, is that they knew that the universe is really an electric universe and not an, a universe of, of colliding nuclear forces and, and all that, although there is colliding nuclear forces. But the universe is generally electromagnetic, I think. And I think that life itself is electromagnetic. And I think that those people in, in Atlantis and that previously advanced civilization were well aware of the fact that you can build buildings made out of, say, granite rock that will hold a charge and that this charge can then be collected. But it's not just holding a charge. It's also that you can build this charge via piezoelectric fields within, say, the pyramid. Uh, and that might generate some kind of electricity. We know they had like light bulbs and things. So we can say that they probably were generating some kind of electricity via resonance frequency uh, through the piezoelectric nature of the granite. But there's another thing which a lot of people don't understand, and that is that there is, we share this uh, planet with uh, invisible beings I call plasma beings. And they're occasionally seen, and people think they're UFOs or aliens. Uh, they're usually very amorphous. You can see them at night. They, they zoom through the sky. And literally, there's millions of these critters, I call them. And if you Google or YouTube um, space shuttle tether experiment, you will see that the space shuttle put out an electric wire into orbit, into space, and it gathered up electricity, and all of a sudden the video shows clearly hundreds of these little globular orb-like critters gathering around the tether. And we know that UFOs like to gather around power lines. And that's why I think a lot of the UFOs that we're seeing are these living, intelligent plasma beings. And I think that the ancients had somehow created a more symbiotic relationship with these plasma beings who actually like us and are attracted to us and want to help us. And, uh, and I think things like alchemy were ways of concentrating this kind of plasma into a life energy. And I think we're getting very close to understanding a lot of this also now too. What amazes me is that I can understand if the academics don't believe in Atlantis, but I'm so amazed that they refuse to believe anything that's older than like 5,000 years or 7,000 years, I guess you would say. So 
Like, the, yeah, like, it's, it's the, kind of it's almost uncanny. I mean, it's almost ridiculous. So we have we have we have all over the world. They keep finding uh, remnants of giant humans. They find big legs. They find big arm bones. They find big neck bones, and. This, this this stuff just goes and is sucked up into these institutions and it's never seen again. And I, I'm trying for I'm trying for the life of me to figure out why they are covering all this up. Why is it in their interest to make sure that we don't know about all these things that happened in the past? And I got no good answer for you. I really don't. Because I find it improbable that we went from. Uh sitting in a cave with a stone axe and then the next day we'll just make a pyramid you know <laughs> and the other mind-boggling aspect of all this is is that the the pyramid started out really really great and got worse as they went along which is exactly the opposite of what's supposed to be you're supposed to start sloppy and get better and better in construction i you know i know i have a background in it and uh but not here not here the oldest one is the best the newest one is the worst they got sloppier and sloppier why did that happen because the great pyramids were built during the atlantis realm the other ones were built as copycats later by us who didn't really know what we were doing What do you think about this uh, new, well, kind of new uh, site, the Gobekli Tepe in Turkey? Yes, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, here you go. Um, uh, we now have a site, carbon dated, no doubt about it, at 13,000 years ago. Uh, the most weirdest, mysterious site you'll ever see, where somebody built literally a city, amazingly build it too the arches are well not arches are like t's are beautiful and they have animals drawn on them foxes and and wolves and cats and um very elegantly done and then for some reason 13,000 years ago and this is why we can carbon date it they buried the whole thing purposefully and <clears throat> really makes you wonder and yet and and let's face it it's not like That's very far away from the Great Pyramids of Egypt. I mean, it's maybe what three hundred miles, four hundred miles at the most. So we're not talking. We're in, you know, in the same vicinity. We have two of the oldest things in antiquity, and if we believe Robert Schock's work on the Sphinx, which is right near the Great Pyramid, then that's at least eight thousand years old. But he, in, a, in an off moment, will admit that it could be fifteen, twenty thousand years old. Wasn't there like a uh, volcanic eruption at this time also in the Mediterranean, very close to all this? Yeah, an island went up, and that—that's a lot of people. A lot of them, a lot of uh, people think that that was Atlantis, where that island exploded. But I don't believe that. I believe Atlantis was really. It's like saying that America is located in Washington D.C. Um, it's not. America is this huge, vast swath of land. And it's all America. And so later, you know, Washington, D.C. can claim maybe in a thousand years to claim to be America, but it isn't America. So I don't think there's just one location. 
of Atlantis. I think Atlantis was a spread out culture. I think the Great Pyramids were part of Atlantis. I think the um, a lot of the stuff that you find in Peru, uh, Marco Wasi is is part of Atlantis. I think the um, I think the pyramid in Bosnia is part of Atlantis. I think the uh, um, uh, there's a lot of things, and, and that I think are part of Atlantis. Even the great Chinese pyramids, which they won't allow us to look at. So uh, I think it was a worldwide culture that was extremely advanced. They used harmonics and resonance to um, to get energy and to v cause things to vibrate at a higher level uh, and that uh, the food and everything was vastly superior to the food that we eat and because of how they were doing all of this and they were um, uh, because it was a hundreds of thousands of year-long culture uh, they were much more advanced than we will ever be and they were it was also a non-toxic culture uh, because they weren't using toxic technologies, they didn't have toxins in their water and in their air and food and the children are born with toxins. And, and so, you know, we, we, I personally am trying to do everything I can to not only back engineer that ancient science, but to also reinvigorate it within the societies today. I mean, there's really no reason that we have to build dams or have electric power plants run by oil or coal. Um, we've, we've known, we've had and known free energy since the late 50s with T. Townsend Brown's work. We probably had it in the 30s with Tesla. We know how, we know how to generate. I can right now build a machine. It cost me about Say um, without including my labor, four hundred bucks, I can build this machine with just standard parts. There's nothing exotic about it, and it will generate enough electricity to not only power itself, but power a whole household. And it and 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 we've just got to get you know. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm afraid to build it because my wife says I'm going to get arrested. And 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 Paul LeBiolette and um, all those other scientists also tell me that you know there's a high chance that the, you know they're going to come get your ass if you go uh, and put something like this on your property. So you know I'm reticent to do it, but at the same time I thoroughly understand the principles, and they're not that complicated. And so it's frustrating for me to know that where oil tankers are cracking up against rocks and killing all the fish and, 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 and for 50, 60 years it's been completely needless. And, and they won't uh, hang on, let me a second, I'm going to douse this. All right, I'm sorry about that. Anyway, um, you know, so this is a frustrating thing for me. Also, what you know, the official story is, is that different cultures all over the world achieve the same level of technology to build all these amazing structures at around the same time. And sound, I mean, I don't know what the pro, I don't know probability theory, but it sounds like uh, you know uh, a bit too much of a coincidence that so many different cultures could reach about the same time, the same level of of skill yeah and that goes back to um jack um not jack um, graham hancock's work on uh, fingerprints of the gods where 
uh, every, all these cultures all over Earth have this these myths that you know they were living in a very primitive condition uh, after an, a catastrophe had hit, and that one day a ship would pull up, and these white guys would get off the ship and start teaching uh, everybody how to read and write and mathematics and agriculture and how to respect women and how to build things. And then they would just take off and disappear. And these are all over the world from Hawaii to Peru to Mesoamerica to uh, northwestern United States, Canada, um, uh, Polynesia, uh, all over the world. So what gives, you know? And my answer is that it must have been that a pocket of people from Atlanta somehow managed to survive the worst nightmare that's ever hit this planet since the dinosaurs were killed. This happened 13,000 years ago. We know from nano diamonds and the way that they've spread across the planet that uh, this uh, occurred in North America, Canada probably, and a massive comet broke into four pieces. This is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Broke into four pieces and slammed the crap out of us. Threw up so much dust that the entire planet was in a nuclear winter for 1,200 years. It's called the Younger Dryas. And temperatures all the way down, even in Iraq, were freezing cold, even close to the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the uh, um, Ecuador, uh, equator uh, temperatures were very cold. Uh, thousands and millions of species died. Uh, it was an absolute disaster. And, um, uh, and, and, and we barely recovered. We're lucky we survived as a species. When the Younger Dryas ended about 10,800 years ago, um, which I believe it ended with a solar flare because it was a sudden ending, which caused massive flooding everywhere. Um, so I believe that what happened is, is that the comet hit, kicked up a lot of dust, blocked the sunlight, caused a lot of snow to fall uh, in a freezing conditions uh, for 1,200 years, and then that was ended by a solar flare, which then caused all that to melt and uh, raise the sea levels by about 300 feet, um, which means Atlantis, if there is a city called Atlantis, is out 300 feet you know, below uh, <clears throat> us on the sea level right now. And so uh, I think that you know this. This I think a pocket of, of Atlanteans survived. They had well, they were known for their great shipbuilding. The Atlanteans were, and these guys had great ships, and uh, they were trying to bring civilization back to the world. And uh, you can go down everywhere, all over the world, and hear these same stories. And this is one of the reasons why somebody like Cortez had such an easy time conquering Mexico was because when he arrived, they thought that he was these gods that had come thousands of years before and taught them how to, you know, farm and mathematics and all the things. And so they just kind of capitulated. So Cortez, you know, managed to, I mean, it's a more complicated story than that, but he managed to conquer Mexico, you know, a country with like 3 million people with 65 guys. 
And same with Pizarro in Peru. The reason that they were kind of accepted was because the 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 um, the, the history of these uh, white guys coming and and saving them essentially. So they thought that this was return of the gods. Same thing in Hawaii with Captain Cook. Captain Cook arrived in Hawaii and the women were throwing themselves in front of the white sailors and um, they were just giving them all these gifts and Cook's going, wow, what's going on, you know? And then finally one of the elders said, oh, you're the return of the gods. You, we had you came before thousands of years ago and saved us. And so these stories are replete everywhere all around the world. And, um, you know, the, the real question is, is this group still around? And my answer is yes, they are. And where are they? Well, I don't want to tell anybody where I think they are because um, the Illuminati wants to know where they are too. And the Illuminati wants them because the Illuminati thinks that these guys have the secret to alchemy or longer life. And they do. And these guys um, do not want to risk an open confrontation with these demonic forces because they, they, they're not afraid of them, but they know that the confrontation would be very, very destructive. And so they, um, so they are at war with the Illuminati. And they are... Mm, helping mm, people who want to stop the dark forces, they are helping in kind of a surreptitious manner. They're very advanced beings, and they, um, they, they can influence us. In, uh, uh, and, 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 and so that, that, that avoids the open confrontation. So um, a lot of us are getting, you know, kind of downloads and revelations. And then the Internet has come and really helped this process out because now we're able to spread the word far and wide about, um, <clears throat> about these dark forces. And they are dark forces. Don't be fooled by any uh, New Age nonsense that there's no such thing as darkness and you shouldn't dwell on evil and there is no evil. It's just a different way of looking at it. No, these are dark forces. These are dark forces that seek, that get energy from uh, harvesting fear from us. And they keep us in a constant state of fear because that fear uh, feeds them. And that's why they're constantly feeding us fear. And they're in control of the media. They're in control of the corporate uh, empires. They're in control of the politicians. They're in control of the judges, the police departments, the newspapers, the televisions, the cable companies of every single place on this planet. And uh, they did a Swiss study in 19, no, in 2007. The uh, Zurich University, I believe it was, did a study, and the study was designed to disprove the conspiracy theorist idea that there's a central organizing force on this planet. And so what they did is they examined all the corporations on Earth, all the major corporations, all the people in those corporations, and then they looked like at the old, they put the, all of this together into a structure. And what they came to realize is that 147 companies rule 
all 95% of everything. And that there's less than 1,800 people, mostly men, running these companies in an interlocking uh, directorship in which all of the directors of these corporations are the same dudes. And they just go from one director meeting to another with the agenda firmly at hand. And these, the Swiss study concluded that the conspiracy is far more vast than anyone ever dreamed. And anyone can Google this. But if you're, if you have the outlook that they're like, there is no evil, then you're not projecting any fear. So then they can't feed off you in a way, you know. No, you do, you do not want to be fearful, but you do not want to be a fool either. There is evil, but you have to fight that evil in a way that is uh, is non-confrontational because it wants a confrontation. So you have to be more like the Zen master um, who doesn't confront because there's no way that you're, you can talk about these forces, but there's no way that you are going to win in an open struggle with these forces. What you want to do is you want to live your life without any fear, um, any fear. There's, no, there's nothing to be afraid of anyway. You're, you're an immortal being anyway. Uh, they don't want you to know that either. And... Uh, and, and and find mechanisms to make sure that you stay uh, non-fearful. Uh, only positive thoughts and eat, don't make judgments. And But don't be a fool either. When you see something wrong, you have to do something. You have to call it out. You need to say something. You need to be active. And, um, you know, at this time in history, we've, Finally, I feel for the first time, our side finally has the um, advantage that we've been saying these same things for so long that the, uh, the side has turned and we now have more than them. It's not a lot more, but it's just you know 50.1% against 49.9%. But... Uh, this is the first time, and I never thought we would ever hit 50%. I thought we were going to be up shit creek without a paddle by this time, and we aren't. We're close. But uh, the revolution goes in many directions. It has many odd allies. And when you're uh, watching what's going on in America right now, and you're seeing that a liberal like Julian Assange is actually in some kind of bizarre alliance with a conservative like Donald Trump. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. And uh, so uh, things are going on right now that I would have never predicted even a year ago. And not all of it's good, but most of it's good. And for the first time, I'm actually optimistic. I'm just a little afraid of what they are going to do when we finally have them cornered. Um, that's kind of a scary uh, thing. But even though many people are aware, I mean... I see a big problem is that, you know, most people in the Western world at least are, you know, we're fairly content. I mean, you don't want to risk, you know, you have a nice house and you have, you know, you have your money. And even though you know that some of these people are corrupt, you know, you don't, you want to, you say something, but you don't really do anything because you don't want to mess up your content life, you know. 
Uh, yeah, uh, well, I got news for you, contented folks. You're not going to be contented for much longer. This thing's going to sweep you, too. Everybody, everything is going to get swept up in what's about to happen. And, and it's, it's so gigantic, it's so huge, that there's almost no way I can describe it in the short amount of time that we have. You know, but it's a war on many fronts. And again, it's it's the non-confrontational aspects of this thing that kind of fascinate me. I've been reading a lot about um, Bitcoin lately, and I realize that Bitcoin, if it's legitimate, has the potential to undo all of the banking, all of the bankers, everything. Uh, a Bitcoin right now is worth what, $600, a single Bitcoin. Uh, that's astonishing. That's more than silver. That's more than almost half of what gold is worth right now. So, um, and then you look at the history of Bitcoin and you see that, you know, we don't know the guy who invented it. He's anonymous. Why would someone invent this system, this kind of brilliant little system, and then just give it away for free when he could have, you know, had some of them bitcoins and be worth, you know, several million dollars by now? But instead, he gave it for free, and so I think that that's this is part of this alliance that is now forming. It's an alliance, a loosely affiliated alliance of people who have just decided that they really don't want the new world order and um, uh, they're not even political or social bedfellows in many ways um, just like I just said with Julian Assange and Donald Trump they probably disagree on most things but they're in such firm agreement that where we're headed is a place we don't want to go that, it, that that has become the spearhead of this bizarre revolution I'm watching. And the immigration problems, both uh, what we're watching here, the horror that we're watching happening to Germany and France with the immigration, uh, we don't want that to happen here. And a lot of Europeans are coming here and making the rounds, warning us about what's going to happen here if we don't stop it, and how they wished in Europe that they had stopped it. Um, I think it's probably too late for Europe. I'm really sad because I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a Europhile and I, I love going to Europe and I love going to Paris and I love going to uh, Frankfurt and London and and I've, the last few times I've gone there, it's really not been a very fun experience. But uh, a lot of it is also like propaganda because some of the countries that have received the most refugees have made the most money and you you don't see any issues in fact many of the countries that have taken in the most refugees if you look at the graphs of the amount of refugees that's increasing over the years and then you look at the graph of violent crime and stuff like that uh, the violent crime is going down and the refugees is going up. So it's I don't know what I don't know what stats you're looking at. It's certainly not true for Sweden. It's certainly not it's, true for France. It's certainly not true for Germany. Well, it's uh, it's true in Sweden because that's at. where I'm at. The crime is skyrocketing. It's three hundred percent in Berlin. Stockholm it's seven hundred percent. Cops are quitting left and right. There's whole areas that no one can go. Women aren't safe after dark anymore. I don't know where you're getting your stats. Well, I I, uh, I lived in I Sweden all my life. Uh, and I, I so I know it's not true. Oh, 
I don't know where you're getting your stats. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Rape is skyrocketing. I have friends in Finland who tell me that they can't send their girls out at night anymore. Uh, no, is the reason that uh, the rape is high in Sweden is because Sweden is one of the countries where women dare to report the rape. And that's why the statistics is higher. It, it doesn't mean there's more rape. It's rape by refugees I'm talking about. This, this is... Uh, because uh, I've seen a lot of these videos and reports online. Dude, I will send you. I will send you all the stats you need to see. Okay. Crime is skyrocketing in Europe. Skyrocketing. They're sending in people who have no skills. Um, they're they're barely hireable. Uh, they're ninety percent males between eighteen and thirty. It's clearly an invasion. Anybody who can't see it has got to be a fool. This is a Trojan horse. It's an invasion of Europe. It's a completion of Mohammed's plan to turn the world into an Islamic state. If you allow in every single Muslim refugee in Europe, the Muslim population goes from four to five percent. If you let every single refugee in, yeah, a Muslim refugee, like from Syria. Well, first off, the refugees are hardly from Syria; they're from Africa. I doubt that most of them are even Muslim. They look like criminals. And it is um, horrific, terrific what's going on. I mean, people can't have their own culture? Really? No, this is done to scare everybody. It's done to create a culture of terror um, in which bifurcation is at every turn. Uh, the, the, there's not going to be any assimilation of those people. In the, they're not going to become Germans. They're not going <laughs> to become French. They're not going to suddenly take a, an interest in wine and bread and, and cheese. And uh, They're going to come there and they're going to change France. That's what they say they're going to do. They're right in your face about it. They're going there to change France. They want, they want Sharia law. Um, they say it. Uh, Human Abedin is... Uh, Hillary Clinton's top aide and she, her mom, is part of a group that wants to impose Sharia law on the United States. Um, I mean, that's what's going on. You can say it isn't, but it is. Well, I know many of these refugees. I met many of them and, and I've been to uh, most of these countries. And uh... So how come there's not, uh, how come there's not like... Uh, uh, Europeans flooding into Middle Eastern countries. Because there's war there. Well, there's going to be war in Europe soon. And uh, the right-wing, uh, like, pseudo-Nazi parties are on the rise in many countries, and they are fluffing up stuff like this to, to get votes, and it works. Wow. <laughs> wow. The third largest party. Wow. People can't even defend their country without being called Nazis. Wow. The, the, one of the biggest parties now in Sweden. Wow. So is, what's next? You defend it, your women, you're a Nazi too? No, they are not Nazis. Oh, they are, they are That's funded. the press. You believe, you believe the media? Really? No, it's not the media, I believe. Dude, they called Trump a Nazi. He's not a Nazi. That's the most overused term I've ever heard. They call anybody they don't like a Nazi because they're a bunch of socialists. No, they're they're not, the, the socialist the, empire, you won't like it. The Swedish Nazi National Party 
uh, changed their dude, name in the 80s dude, to, to dude, the Swedish dude, Democrats. Dude, the fucking Ayatollah of Iran said two weeks ago that the only thing that white women, European women are good for is rape. Yeah, that's the Ayatollah. Those people aren't good. Are you kidding me? This is a religion? <laughs> really? No, that that's not the that's that's the same as you know you have all these uh, Catholic priests who are pedophiles. Is that Christianity? It's the same thing. Okay, whatever. I don't see any Christian Christians invading any Middle Eastern countries. Well, they are uh, w through the the oil and all that stuff through the. That's the new world order. Yeah. That's not Christian. Christians are against the new world order. In the United States, they are. That's business interests and corporate interests. That's Hillary Clinton, actually. She voted for all that crowd. But she, and she's a left winger. Yeah, but doesn't she say she's a Christian? No, I'd say that she's a, a Satanist or something. Oh, yeah, behind the scenes, maybe. But like outward, she says. I mean, all presidents. And... It has to be real. I mean, you can't just say you're a Christian. You have to be really be a Christian. Yeah, there's a lot of people who say they're Christians, but they're not Christians. A lot of people that say they're Muslims that aren't Muslims. Yeah, for sure. But like most Muslims are peaceful. Really? If you, I mean, it's always the person who makes noise that is visible. You know, like most. I mean, people who. Well, you know, why don't they? Uh, uh, how come then? Uh, uh, they're such failures. Why are Muslim states such failures? Why is Pakistan such a massive failure? It's had no no interference in their business. In fact, we've helped them, and and, and yet they still can't get it together. Um, same thing in uh, all those uh, countries in, around the Gulf. I mean, they're all like these fierce fiefdoms with, you know, you, the, you, you get, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you're uh, holding hands in public and they arrest you and they, you show affection for the other sex and that's considered bad. And if you have a drink, you're thrown in jail. I mean, I mean, come on, who wants to live in a world like that? That's not an advanced world at all. But what about Malaysia, the Maldives and Oman and, and, uh, the, uh, Dubai. Uh, not for long. Not for long. The way things are going, those liberal Muslim countries are going to be gone soon. Even I've even watched the Sufis turn from very, very peaceful, loving people to violent. I'm like, why? What happened to the Sufis? I was almost going to be a Sufi once, and then you know I started looking at them a couple of years ago, and they heard, heard this most terribly violent rhetoric. And believe me, dude, I believe the United States deserves. The, the what we get and I, I was against the wars I was against invasions I fought publicly against them um, I think uh, Bush and uh, Hillary and Obama have just destroyed the Middle East I blame them 100% for it and um, but at the same time uh, I, and, and I also think that we should build refugee centers in the Middle East to take care of those people. But I just think Europe has a, has a right to self-determination, just like I think the Middle East has a right to self-determination. I believe that the uh, that we should never have gotten involved, that uh, that no, Sadat was not a great guy, but uh, at the same time, he was he was keeping his country in order. Women were, had rights. They could go to college. They could drive. Uh, same thing is true with Gaddafi. No, he wasn't a great guy, but he was 
uh, he let women drive. He was trying to stop desertification. He was trying to stop the racism between the Arabs and the blacks. Um, he was bringing prosperity to his country. And uh, Hillary went in and had him killed. Uh, she even said, we came, we saw, we killed. It was like one of the cold-hearted statements I've ever heard in my whole entire life. And they uh, just killed that poor guy in the most unimaginable way. And so, yeah, I think, you know, the United States is a piece of crap for what it's done to the Middle East. And, but Germany and France and Sweden shouldn't have to pay the price for what the United States and the corporations are doing. Um, that's my opinion. Isn't like Saudi Arabia like one of the worst? Uh, uh, they're in alliance with, with the West, weirdly enough. They are the worst of the whole lot. And and, and then we go everywhere we go in the Middle East, we get rid of the decent people and we enforce the bad people. So did you ever see this movie with George Clooney? It was called um Syriana? Yes. Syriana. That movie was telling the truth more than any other movie about our foreign policy. Because we destroy the liberal guy who was bringing, uh, going to make a nice country in Syriana. We kill him in the end and we install a dictator. That's exactly what we do. So the, my thing is, is okay, we, the United States, should have to pay for this, not Sweden and Germany and France. That's all. I, I really mean that. And I think the United States should take the brunt of responsibility and pay for these people to be taken care of. That's my response. That's what I, but this chaotic thing that's going on, no, that should not happen. Um, that just can't happen. I mean, uh, I, I, it can't. Um, and uh, it's almost as if there's an alien force which seeks to destroy the human race and is doing everything possible to cause that destruction. Have you, um, you said you written books about alchemy. Uh, uh, have you written about any other subjects? Oh, I, I write about cycles of time too, about how uh, we're in the Kali Yuga right now. We're kind of, everything's deteriorating and, um, that it, which is a natural cycle, but the end of this Kali Yuga, the Golden Age, starts again. And I think that I'm trying to lay the groundwork for another Golden Age coming. Uh, an age where the evil corporate people are put out of business. And I think it really can happen. I'm really, really quite positive about this. I think that, it, you know, we need to change the way that we um, think about things. It's like, why does, we had, uh, I think it was last year or was it this year? There was a, 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 I think it was last year, there was a Paris Global Warming Conference in which thousands of people flew in on jets to have a conference about global warming. And I thought that was really, really hilarious um, that they would waste so much fuel and damage the atmosphere to have a conference about how the atmosphere was damaged. And um, I thought, you know, why can't they just all meet on the internet? You know, well, why, why can't they just stay in their countries and they just meet on the Internet? We'll have our conference on the Internet. No, we don't waste any energy except for the cost of the computer to go. And we can talk to each other and everything. And then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. Why, do, why does Congress and the Senate even have to go to Washington to meet? Why can't the congressmen just stay in their district and once, you know, they, they spend a day, two or three hours a day uh, in committees 
on the internet. They don't have to go to Washington. They don't have to travel anywhere. And the same thing with the United Nations. Why does there have to be a United Nations Center? Why don't these delegates just stay home and talk to each other via the internet? We've got to change the way that we think about things, and, and we're not, and we're, we're being really stupid. And I think it's time for us to realize that, um, that uh, we're going to go down as a species if we don't start getting a little more clever about what we're doing here. Especially with this virtual reality, you could have uh, like conferences where you actually walk around, and then even people from the public can attend, and there's you don't have to fear that they're gonna stab somebody or because it's all virtual. Exactly right, and and all that technology is available right now. Um, but you know, I, I tell you, um, as, as optimistic as I try to be, um, I, I have recently finished a. Um, a study, a very intense, uh, deep study of AI or artificial intelligence. And I have to tell you, um, that was a real Pandora's box. I kind of wish I hadn't opened. Because when I looked into AI, I really, when I saw where they are taking their research, it frankly got me worried. Um, there's a, it's, it's actually, I couldn't believe it. It was featured in the James Bond film, Spectre which I watched last night, I was stunned. And in the James Bond film, they called this stuff smart blood. And that's exactly what I've learned. I didn't know a name, I didn't know the name of it until last night. But they have developed mostly for super soldier programs in the military, because everything always starts with the military. Um, they've developed this injection, if you might call it. And this is already done, dude. So it's not like I'm talking about some future. They've already done this. I couldn't believe the James Bond film was talking about it. But they inject you with this injection of it's all nanobots. And the nanobots will give you instant access to, like, Google. You can write emails without ever using a keyboard. You just talk or think it. Um, you can uh, call anybody you want and hear it inside your ears. No one else can hear it but you. Um, you and this is going and this is going to become popular very soon. And you're not going to be able to buy anything or uh, go to school or have a job unless you take the smart blood because it's going to be the only way that transactions are made. It's going to be the only way that you can keyboards are going to become obsolete when this thing happens. And this thing is like less than five years away. And here's the thing. They're going to sell it like this. They're going to say, oh, wow, man. What this thing will monitor your health. These nanobots will monitor your health. And when they see that your arteries are getting clogged in your heart or in your arm or leg, they will send little cleaner nanobots, which will eat up the, the plaque on your arteries or in your heart or your aorta. And they're going to say, oh, and also, you know, you get a cancer. You know, you got a tumor growing on your lungs. Well, these nanobots will go and eat the cancer up and, um, and you'll live forever which you might, actually. But here's the kicker here, that if this is true, and I know it is, then your body can also be hacked. Then your body can also be listened to by outside forces. Um, and they can kill you if they hear you whispering about how you're going to knock out the AI. Um, 
like uh, Hal watching the astronauts in 2001 A Space Odyssey whispering about knocking Hal out. Well, I think, you know, the AI is going to self-protect itself. And if it hears of any kind of rebellion against it or people that are talking to each other saying that they don't really like it or that it's not right, then the AI is going to defend itself and it's going to shut us down. And I'm, and I realize that technocrats that are making all this stuff don't really care uh, about uh, us, and they don't really care about democracy, and they don't really care that you know this maybe we, this stuff should be discussed first before we invent it. Um, they're just going ahead and inventing it, and uh, Google is pouring billions of dollars into this thing, and the ultimate goal of this is that is that they want to at first when i heard this i was really dubious but now as i look into it more and talk to more experts i'm starting to believe that it's true and the and may have actually already been done in the military and that is that they can there's an address to the human soul a DNA address, and they can take that address and place your soul into a machine, a cyborg that can live forever, that can go into outer space without fear of radiation, that can do all of these things. And, um, and it's essentially a Superman. Uh, can fly, it's super strong, it can't die, it's got x-ray vision, it's got everything. And, um, and this was, uh, was developed for super soldier programs within the military here in the United States, but I think Google is about to unroll it. But here's the thing, not everybody can have the smart play. Uh, there's 7 billion people on the planet. If everybody becomes a superhuman, uh, then that's going to be a serious population problem. So my feeling is, is that this smart blood, which is already developed, is getting ready to be released, but they want it to be selective first. And then two, I think they may have a plan to get rid of a lot of us before they release the smart blood. So that just a few select people get it, and then they have slaves who don't have it, uh, and the rest of us are kind of screwed. And you're writing a book about this? No, I'm making a documentary. I'm really scared, and I went to my boss, who's a kind of a wealthy guy, and I told him all this, and I think he's going to finance a documentary on it, because um, it has to get out now. I, I can't wait for a book, and I need to get it out fast, because I really think we're in a race for time. And you see, my, my view of the world is, is that... Um, my view of the world is that we're essentially spiritual beings and uh, this life is a spiritual experience and when we start entering into this nightmare AI smart blood zone I, I'm afraid that we could lose our humanity and I'm afraid we could lose our sense of humanity I mean music would go away uh, art would go away culture would begin to vanish there would be no more movies um i think this could this could be the future that we're heading towards and maybe that's a good thing i don't know but um 
I, 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 I'm not trying to be a worry work. There's nothing I can do about it. But I do. I am trying to warn as many people as I can that I did do this research and I did see this coming at us, and it's something that we need to all examine. Um, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, he was a very, very, very smart guy, and he started building bombs and killing scientists and things. And eventually he put out his uh, manifesto. And his manifesto was pretty much a very prescient guy who had obviously researched this and uh, had become so frightened by what he was seeing and the fact that this is all being done unre unregulated. Nobody's watching it. Nobody's like uh, doing anything. They're just like, financing it and they're letting it go without any. That he started, you know, I would never go on a bombing campaign. But you can see, you know, how scared he really was when he uh, finally looked at this. And, um, and I think a lot of other smart people should be scared. Uh, when they look at this, because I think this is actually the, the most serious thing that we face. And, uh, and, I, and Ray Kurzweil, who's the mastermind behind all of this at Google, you know, he's got serious father issues. I mean, his dad died. And what he's trying to do is make sure that no kid ever has their dad die on them again. And, um, you know, death is part of life. And, um, and you don't die anyway. We're all immortal. So it's just that these technocrats are so afraid of death because they think it's the end because they don't have a, an advanced spiritual view of the world and the universe. And so uh, they're trying to make immortality through a machine, and I think that's just not going to work. So if people want to check out your work, where can they do that? Okay, so I do programming at Gaia, G-A-I-A dot com. Um, I think uh, uh, 99 cents will buy you a month, and uh, you'll be hooked, I guarantee it, if you're fans of this show. Uh, my free stuff is at jwidener, J-A-Y-W-E-I-D-N-E-R dot com, all my free articles. And then you can buy my movies, uh, download them, or get the DVDs, my documentaries on alchemy, healing the luminous body, infinity, the ultimate trip, uh, secrets of alchemy. There's like 20, I think, 20 uh, uh, documentaries, and you can get those at sacredmysteries.com. Cool. I'll post those links in the program notes as well. So thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to Perceptions Today podcast. We will be discussing a wide variety of changing perceptions and ongoing research about topics such as consciousness, health, medicine, science, physics, history, metaphysics, the paranormal, and reality. Join us as we learn and discover fascinating new information about these and other topics from people in the field, doing the research, and having the experiences. During our discussions, we hope to engage you in the process to ignite your own creativity and alter your perceptions in new and exciting ways. The adventure begins now. Find us on podcast apps, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Once again, that's Perceptions Today. <coughs> hey, this is Anthony Tyler, host of Black Hoodie Alchemy on the Fringe FM. You can catch me every Monday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time, where we uh, talk about the dark side of metaphysics and we'll chill a little bit. Uh, and you can catch me the day after on Spotify or Apple or Amazon or wherever else you stream your podcasts. 
If you've ever wondered what someone like Carl Jung might say about serial killers, or perhaps cryptids, then this is the show for you. Skeptical, yet open-minded, empirical, but philosophical. We are going to talk about some really weird stuff, so I hope you join me on Black Hoodie Alchemy. Take it easy. Yeah, so if you want to support me, go to patreon.com slash naturalbornalchemist or search uh, Natural Alchemist on YouTube and I shall appear. Uh, I've been doing my John Borman uh, trilogy uh, film expose and I, I still got the third part to do. Uh, I'm getting that done as soon as possible and I have a few other ideas I'm doing as well. Um, so if you want to subscribe to my YouTube, it would be appreciated, as I said before. Let's close this episode with uh, The Man I Killed by No Fix. Freedom is in the mind. When they tightly strap me in, give me lethal ejection, just a few moments to live. No remorse for what I did, it's for the better better man, I gave the utmost sacrifice, for more damage could be done. Executed by the state